This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to our first ever championship episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Argyle start a new chapter in their history book by welcoming back those who have played pivotal roles in their past. The returning Mumba and Whitaker providing the difference against Neil Warnock's Huddersfield as Argyle ran out 3-1 winners on the opening day. Jumping on to give their £1.50s worth, Sam Down, how are you? Good evening, yes, very good. It's been a fantastic weekend. John Allsop, how's things? I'm good. You are the uh, booking fee to my cardboard ticket. I had that one lined up before you already made the joke, so I felt like I was just going to commit to it. That's fine. And sporting a lovely new hat, Joe Bell. <laughs> very good, yes. Um, Aaron, this is this is one of your better intros, shall we say. New season new pod and we have um shall we say some competition to keep us on our toes so top performances all round please joe let's start with you then 13 years away from the championship i'll let you sum up the visit of huddersfield town and try not to do a sam and john where you answer every question that i've got written down um yes 13 years of pain and misery and heartbreak and tears and joy and more pain and heartache and misery with a bit more joy thrown in and then we had that 99 minutes or however long it ended up being uh yesterday afternoon um and it was worth every year and every pain and every tears weight i would say um no it wasn't objection objection overruled it, it, it definitely wasn't the three points at the end of it were worth the wait john I think it started off in the most perfect way with um, Huddersfield having a complete defensive calamity and Nargo pouncing on it inside the six-yard box. Um, how else did we want to start our return to the championship? Uh, I thought we were excellent for about 70 minutes of the game. Um, I thought there was a 10-minute spell at the end of the first half and a 10-minute spell at the start of the second half where Huddersfield probably edged it um 
I'd love to know what they were drinking on the local radio station that the poor Huddersfield fans were listening to. Um, I had the misfortune of listening to that this morning where they deemed that Huddersfield were comfortably the better side on the day. Uh, they must have been watching a rerun from about a decade ago of some sort of fixture. Um, I thought um, there were several standouts. We're going to come on to them a little bit later. Um, but we we just pluck, plugged away, didn't we? And I actually thought, I'll confess, on the 70-minute mark, I made a comment to the people I sit with every week when I'm lucky enough to go to the games that I thought we were leggy. I thought we needed an in an introduction of fresh legs and just like we did so many times last year Aaron there's a 10 minute period in a game where one ball just falls kindly or one player just does something grabs it by the scruff of the neck and for 10 minutes we just completely blew Huddersfield away um, and it was game set and match the moment of quality from Mumba is unbelievable We'll forget the fact that obviously the Huddersfield town players were still practicing social distancing, um, given the last time we played them was in the COVID season. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Hardy goal is just typical, isn't it? Whitaker dispossesses somebody in midfield, feeds the ball to the striker, and he's through on goal and notches his 50th goal for the club, which might silence a few people who may still have nagging doubts over Mr. Hardy's prowess at Plymouth Argyle. I wanted to get that one in early this season. I am ready to go on the defence for him again for another 12 months. Um, no, fantastic. Thoroughly deserved. Um, it's the perfect starting point. But we must also keep our feet on the ground. Sterner tests lie ahead and we did make mistakes in the game um, that we will not be able to get away with in future weeks against higher calibre opposition. Um but equally, I think if Southampton, who completed 940-odd passes on Friday night, thought that their lunchtime trip to the southwest was going to be a walk in the park, um, I'd suggest they've got another thing coming in a fortnight's time. But look, let's enjoy it um, and bring on Watford in a top-of-the-table clash in the championship. Hey, who'd have thought it? You've done, you've done pretty well there. I think you've only answered about three of the questions, so uh, opposed to Sam and John's 20-odd, which is good. I appreciate that. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, let's start with a build-up to the game. Let's go in a, in a slight chronological order. I know I know, I like to do that. Sam, I'll, I'll come to you. Are there any big changes at the ground that we should know about? Obviously, the highlight being the new Jana fried chicken. Uh, yeah, there, there was quite a notable change, which none of the technology works anymore. anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was um, the uh, the uh, great uh, the great uh, hilarity of having to go into a cashless stadium. It's the one day that the the carnival seems all go down. As I think something that could, could could only have been written in a in a script, really. But uh, you know, so be it. It was a little bit better on the calories for me not to not to have a, a pre match snack and and fizzy drink. It's fine. Um, uh, yeah. Any any other changes? I didn't notice that they now. Um, jumping away from chronological order, have the scoreboards running down through extra time now, which they never used to. I, I guess that's because there's going to be so much extra time. They're probably helping the fans keep track of it. Maybe I don't know. It was just great to be back. Great to you know walk through the turnstiles, cross the threshold of home park again. Really great buzzing feeling, and and yeah, made made better by going one the lap inside six minutes. Um, we, we came out came out of the blocks really really well. Uh, Mumba involved in the goal, unsurprisingly. 
I want to give a little bit of credit that I've, I've not really seen to Randall as well for his part in that goal when the header goes across and um, he just gets his body across really nicely and just heads it back across goal, which the defender then can't quite get to and it then forced Whitaker and slots it in. I just felt it, it would have been really easy in that to either overcommit or to undercommit, to either go flying in and commit a foul or to just not get your head on it. And I think for him to, to get his head on it and just definitely nod it back across goal was 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 impressive. So I think credit credit to Mumba for creating it, credit to Randall for for using his body and his brain well, and credit to Whitaker for for finishing. Um, great put us one 0 up, and we then could have gone two 0 up shortly after. Whitaker could have had a second um angled shot, well saved by their keeper, uh, and we yeah certainly started started the game the better team. I think we started and ended it the better team. Huddersfield had the middle third of the game, I would say, but we, I think we had, we had the bulk of the game and I think, yeah, I'm balanced deserved to win. Did 3-1 flatter us a little bit? I would say possibly so, but I still think we deserve to win. I think maybe if, if it was 2-1, that might have been a, a fair reflection, but I think we were the better team we deserved to win. It was a, a good, um, good game between two evenly matched sides and, I think even if Huddersfield and Argyle are both at the bottom end of the league, which must admit I've got both teams being in the bottom end of the league in my predictions, it just shows what a massive step up that league is from League One. Um, really good football, really entertaining, exhilarating. And I guess this is going off on a tangent a little bit, but I, as Aaron knows, I can sometimes go off on tangents. He, he's nodding for the benefit of the listeners. Um, I, I would like to say that I just so enjoyed having a game without the stress of, of that end of season, feeling like the nervousness to kind of, not saying I didn't enjoy it, because obviously I, you know, I greatly, I, I love the, 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 you know, the full-time whistle and the goals coming in, but I'd be lying if I said I could just kick back and enjoy the games because my stomach was too often riding with nerve. I just enjoyed having that relaxed sort of tension-free feeling of just being able to enjoy a good game of football and the fact that we won uh, and won in such a good way um, just exemplifies that. Sam, were you were you stressed at the end of last season? I don't think you ever. I don't think you noticed it, did you? No, I kept it well hidden. Yeah, to do a Frank Lampard is, but no, seriously, it was a uh, it was a nice change, and I'm, I'm very happy. And uh, if we can just keep keep on having nice, fun, relaxing matches like that all season, finish comfortably mid table, nowhere near going down, I would take that down to the ground. Yeah, we've destroyed the running order anyway. So let's jump back to Joe. Obviously, you were you were shaking your head in disbelief there, Joe. He suggested that um, three one flattered us. Disagree. Um, he suggested that he suge- he suggested it was an even contest. Disagree. Um, I would also marginally disagree that he said it was a good game. A good game. Um, tr- not trying to go off like Bruce Forsyth here. Good game. Good game. Because it it wasn't. Because in large parts of the game, it was very scrappy. Um, as most games with Neil Warnock sides are. They even when time wasting and breaking play up isn't really allowed anymore, they still find ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the other sentiments I agree with. I just find it a little bit odd that Sam thinks three one flattered us. It was an even contest and it was a good game to watch because at times it was scrappy. But um, if we're going to get scrappy three ones every week, then I'm all for it. Well, yeah, just to come back on that quickly, though, I don't, I don't disagree that we were the better of the two teams we deserve to win. I, I just think that they're. That both teams had 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 large had large spells. I mean, obviously they had um, they they had some very good chances, and so did we. And I think we we just had that bit more quality in the final third. I I think you know 
yes, we, we were absolutely the better team, and I, I don't I don't dispute that. But I just think you know credit credit to them that they they ran us they ran us long and hard and gave us a good game. And but like what you said, Joe, we that we, we have those fifteen minute spells, don't we, where we just completely obliterate teams. And I'm glad we had another one of them. Well, I will say, Aaron, before you move it on away from this game, or even allow John if he has anything else to add. We all remember a very famous Sky documentary, the very first All or Nothing or Sunderland Till I Die that Sky did with Sheffield United back in 2003-2004. And Mr Warnock was in the dressing room launching a tirade of expletives towards his Sheffield United players that went along the lines of, you've got to die for three points. Um, you can insert your own expletive into there if you like. Um, I would suggest he might have said something similar to his Terriers team after that game because there were quite a few occasions where I looked at some of the passages of play and I thought they don't fancy it. And this is the opening day of the season. There was, I mean, Sorber Thomas could, I mean, you, you wouldn't even give him a U for his effort and tracking Bali Mumba for the second goal. Um, Josh Karoma had all the time in the world to put them level in the first half and he somehow contrived to put it wide. Um, and even when Whitaker dispossesses the lad in midfield for the third goal, there's just no effort whatsoever from Huddersfield. Um, and on the opening day of the season, a lot of the neutrals might have been looking at it thinking Plymouth will have more questions to answer about life in the championship at the end of the 90 minutes. I'd say Neil had quite a long think after the game yesterday as to... <laughs> As to how he repairs that, because there were quite a few, the Huddersfield have a lot to answer now moving forward, in my opinion. Yeah, he actually named and shamed um, Karoma and Thomas in his post match interview. I don't know if anyone saw that, which I thought was um, kind of interesting. Yeah, I think we said on the predictions pod about Huddersfield that we felt there were big question marks there. Um, I know other pundits have said that they think Warnock is brilliant at motivating a team where there's a sort of defined objective and they've been written off and, but, you know, from the beginning of the season where it's a kind of clean slate. Um, maybe there were question marks there about the direction in which that might go. And I have to say that those questions were not answered yesterday. I, I actually thought ahead of the game they would turn us over. My prediction was that they would um, beat us 2-0, um, which is not grounded in any particular pessimism about our season as a whole. I think I actually have us finishing the highest of anyone uh, in this, you know, in the predictions podcast that we did. Um, but I just felt and still feel to some extent that maybe it might take us just a little bit of time to to bed into this league. And I felt that the Huddersfield would be a really difficult test. Um, also, you know, Warnock has spent a lot of time watching games at Argyle because he lives locally when he's not, um, you know, off managing clubs every six months. Um, so I just felt maybe he would, he would, you know, it might be a kind of bit of a master and apprentice dynamic and that he would um, put Shuey in his place. But um, yeah, and I, I think I probably am closer to agreeing with Sam than with, than with Joe about the game. Um, I, I felt we were the better side, but that it was, Fairly even. Um, I think a one goal margin would probably have been fairer than two. Um, but I said it so many times on this podcast last season, we just have players who make a difference in games and can and can just kind of turn the game from we might be a little bit under the cosh to I'm now gonna go and you know run through the entire team or I'm gonna slide the ball through to Ryan Hardy. In that sense, it actually reminded me a lot of the Exeter game from last season where that was, you know, a bit of a stalemate we were sort of struggling to to break them down a little bit. And within the space of, you know, what, what was it? 15, 20 minutes, Mumba has smacked an unbelievable goal into the bottom corner. And 
And then, yeah, and then Whitaker has twice slid in Ryan Hardy for pretty much identical goals to the one he scored yesterday. So it's just great. It's just so great that we've got we've got that type of player. And it's great to see that, albeit against the club, I think we all expect to be fighting down the wrong end of the table. They can, on this early evidence, do it at this level in addition to, to League One. Yeah, John, you say there about settling into life in the championship and to go back to the running order slightly. Obviously, Schumacher named a, a 4-3-3 in the end. How successful do you think that will be compared to the variants of the back five approach that have won us 181 points in the last two seasons? Time will tell um, without wishing to sit on the fence too much. I actually said before the game and to Sam, and Sam was wrong, uh, right, sorry, and I was wrong, that I felt he would shock us all by playing the system we played last season with the with the three at the back and the two wing-backs. You know, I just, I just kind of felt based on the personnel who were who are still available, who you know we have at the club, maybe that they they continue to suit that system better than the four at the back, even though we did play, I think, every minute of preseason with the with the four at the back system. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like Occam's razor in the end was that we probably were going to go with the system that we played for the entire summer on the on the opening day. Um, another fact which I actually had no idea about until the game, uh, until the team sheets came out was that Plegwithwilla was um suspended. Um and so I don't know if it might have looked different if he had if he had been fit. Um, but yeah, how, how did I think it, it looked? Um, I think Kesler Hayden is, we're going to come on to these debutants in a minute, so I'm not going to say too much here, but, um, Kesler Hayden looks a very attacking player to be uh, a fullback in a, in a four. Um, maybe a couple of question marks about that. I think there were times where we were very open. Um, not quite sure what happened to Joe Edwards for the chance that Coroma smashed into the side netting, but he had the freedom of home park down the, uh, the right-hand side of the box from our point of view to bring the ball down, take a touch. And yeah, you know, most, most players, attacking players at this level are going to score that. And then it would probably have been a different game if he had. So um, yeah, you know, there's potential for, for the four at the back to be more solid if we get it right. But I think also potential for us to be a little bit more exposed with it. I guess it depends how we, how we utilize it. Um, but I did feel that, you know, I did feel that Mumba and Whitaker both put in a really good defensive shift yesterday, Mumba in, in particular, um, playing in a more advanced area, but, uh, you know, especially in that period where we were under the cosh at the beginning of the second half, he dropped in, won the ball a couple of times as almost as a sort of second left back. So I think, you know, obviously we do have the flexibility and the tactical discipline to, to do that. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little too early to say, obviously we'll have to see how that system shapes up against, the bigger clubs at this level who have more more firepower and then maybe more tactically astute than Huddersfield were. Um, I, I yeah, I guess I would say I do. I do think we'll see both systems this year. That one and the one we played last season. I don't think this is a permanent, you know, switch switch for all occasions. I suspect that he spent so much time in preseason honing it, so that this could maybe be the first choice system. But I sort of would expect to see to see both over over the course of the um over the course of the next uh, eight or nine months. Yeah, we were actually told that Pleguazolo would be out of this game in the bonus pod that we did with the, the Dutch football expert, but I completely forgot, and I still named him in my predicted 11. So that was good research. Sam, I'll come back to you in a minute after this one, but this, this question is basically written for Joe. Um, it's obviously about Neil Warnock, obviously a lovely reception, his return. At Huddersfield were backed by 1,600 in the away end. How good is it not only to see Warnock return, but to actually have large numbers back in the away end? Ah, the king has come home for an afternoon, didn't he? Um, yeah, no, it was great reception for him. It was rather apt that he was flanked by two security guards when he stepped off the coach as he was 
having his picture taken with every man, their cat and their dog outside Home Park. And he even supplied his own Sharpie to sign autographs with outside the Denport end when the coach arrived in true Neil Warnock fashion. Um, I think he's great entertainment. I think he's an absolute legend. Um, you don't spend 44 years in a career without being very good at what you do. Um, the amount of promotions and things that he's achieved fantastic i do think he's got his work out with this group um it's totally different to just coming in with a couple of months to go and try and save them um but i wish him all the best and if not then you know at least he's guaranteed a seat in our director's box whenever he wants one um and a nice meal with his daughter amy which he was very happy to tell the press about pre-game um in terms of the 1600 that traveled down from huddersfield yeah fair play to them um we're we're all very sometimes people are very quick to bash teams for their support and what have you but i thought their support was absolutely outstanding um and actually it's quite refreshing and we're going to have it pretty much every game this year where sides are going to bring over a thousand supporters every week they're going to make a lot of bloody noise and i thought it really added to the atmosphere there was that period in the second half where the place was bouncing um both sides of supporters were up giving it a right go um i thought it was tremendous uh, you know obviously it's, it's a long way to come when your side put in as an, an ending to the game as they did um but yeah fantastic support um i'm sure we will take just as good numbers if not more whenever we go to what used to be the gal farm what used to be the john smith stadium and whatever it is now um so yeah you know Fair play to them. Um, it's something we can expect every week. And as I say, if it's going to add to the atmosphere like it did on Saturday, then I'm all for it, as long as they're also all going to be going home miserable at the end of the 90 minutes. Or, sorry, 100-plus minutes, as we're now to expect. Justice for the McAlpine. Sam, I'll give you a chance to speak then. Obviously, you've already spoken us through the, the opening goal. Huddersfield obviously grew into the game, few half chances, and eventually... Michael Helic Helic stuck home the equaliser on the stroke of half time, forty five plus six minutes. Anyone at fault for that? Not enormously. I think he got we got a little bit unlucky with the bounce of the ball. More or less fell perfectly to him. Maybe if I'm being hypercritical, one of the centre backs could 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 have won the initial header before the the chance that led to the follow up. I don't think it was a goal really with with any enormous defensive errors. Um, I think, if anything, the defensive errors were more for the, the chances that Huddersfield didn't score from, like the like the, um, the, the Cromer one. Um, like like John said, he had, he had all the time in the world. I think Edwards was caught a bit out of position. Um, yeah, not, nothing, not, not, not dreadful defending for their goal. I think you just have to accept that sometimes they... They happen. Huddersfield were getting, were getting on top of the game leading up to the goal. You can tell the goal was definitely coming. And I think we were just struggling to play out from the back. Every time we, we every time we got we tried to play the ball out, we just ended up coming back to us for that little spell before half time. And I think in a sense, having having a third centre back may have helped. We're going back to the debate about the formation, but on the other hand, we wouldn't maybe wouldn't have got the lovely interchange from the three behind the striker if we if we'd had a if we'd had a third centre back. So it seems round much isn't it? Take take with one hand, give give with the other. Um but yeah, um, we may, maybe due to a combination of um, of not having a third centre back, maybe due to some 
shall we say, erratic distribution from Hazard. Um, it was, it was, we were finding it a little bit tough to get the ball out. We, we kind of ended up having to to go long a few times. And when that happened, it just ended up coming coming right back to us. And I think Huddersfield got, got on top of the game in that spell. And and at the time they scored, it was probably a deserved goal, but we, we wrestled we wrestled control of the game right back. And I think, funny enough, I was actually thinking of Joe before um, we coming on here, what I was watching here about what Joe said on the previous podcast, that we have we have these 15, 20-minute spells where we just absolutely turn it on and kill the game. And that's what we did again second half. And yeah, fantastic, um, fantastic run. And yeah, we got, got the control back with just an absolutely incredible, incredible goal for Mumba, which, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a minute with the chronological order. Sam mentioned it in his opener, Helic scoring in the sixth minute of added time in the first half. Does anybody have any strong thoughts on the new EFL rules to combat time wasting? I'll take that one first. Strongly, strongly in favour of it. And as much as it was frustrating that Argyle were went <laughs> off in the very first game of it, conceded in the sixth minutes of six minutes, I don't know, I'm to be annoying, but on balance, I, I am strongly in favour because I just think it will cut out this time wasting. Because I think teams teams previously knew they could mess about, they could go down, they could waste the ball, they could take the time of the throw, knowing that yes, there would be a bit more added time put on, but but knowing very well that the amount of added time put on would not be equivalent to the amount of time taken out of the game. Whereas now with these new regulations, they're saying fine, you waste time, you waste as much time as you like. All you were doing is stopping the fans getting home on time. You you won't be actually taking playing time out of the game. I think they should go even further. I think we should, um, dare, dare I say it, learn, learn from our friends in rugby and basketball and introduce a stop clock system and just play play fewer minutes, obviously, because you can't play 90 minutes in the ball and play, but play fewer minutes, but stop the clock whenever the ball goes out of play. Maybe I'm a bit of a radical, but in, in the lack of that, I think this is a really, really good thing for the game. And it's going to stop teams like Wickham um, and others of, of years gone by just taking sting out of the game and killing games off through dark arts rather than through actual football ability. So I'm, I'm really in favour of it. And I hope they stick at it. I hope they don't just give up like they so often do with these new directives, uh, you know, and I hope, it, I hope it does actually get reflected upon. Sorry, are you, are you slandering the, quote, kings of game management, Sam? Absolutely am, yes. <laughs> they can sue me. <laughs> Is that not some slight recency bias, though? Because under Sheridan or even Adams, we would have hated this introduction, would we not? Well, yeah, I mean, Derek Derek Adams used to shift ball boys off the pitch with about 10 minutes to go, so the game would be slowed down. He did, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe we would have hated that, but I think you have to see beyond the bias of, of your own team. Like, even if we take Argon out of the equation, if I'm watching a game on, on TV just as a neutral, I don't want to see the game just killed off by time-wasting. I think time-wasting is a... A bad thing for the game so maybe there are areas where it would have benefited us and obviously there's areas where it would not have benefited us but on on balance thinking about for the game is it a good thing yes it is in my opinion any other thoughts on it john joe no my my only thought really was actually about um yesterday's referee who i thought had a very good game um if i'm honest and it's refreshing right um, I know it's 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 a miracle. We're starting. I thought if I got the referee praise out of the way now, for the next forty five games, all I can do is rant about them. But my one gripe would have been um, obviously one of the directives is about uh, throw ins and multi ball and things. And the multi ball did become a bit of a farce yesterday. That every time they went to use multi ball, the old ball would then return to the pitch almost immediately, and it would slow the game down. Um, but it's actually about the 
fullback who was taking the long throw-ins for Huddersfield, who was constantly still buying five or six yards every long throw-in. And the referee eventually clamped down on it in about the 84th minute. Um, by then, he'd already had about half a dozen of these incidents where he'd bought yards for throw-ins. And I just want to see a bit of consistency. Um, if you're going to call it in the 84th minute, you've got to call it in the fourth minute. Um, so that that's my only little gripe. But as I said, for once, I'm actually praising a referee, but don't get used to it because I'm not sure it will last all season. I sort of mostly agree with Sam that this is good for the game. Um, you know, at least I uh, agree because Huddersfield did not score twice in added time yesterday. If they had, I would probably have a very different opinion. Um, the one, the one that I'm not sure about is the players have to take 30 seconds off the pitch if they go off for treatment. Um, like there was an incident with Mumbai yesterday where he got smacked in the face. Obviously, wasn't faking an injury. Um, but then we, you know, but then we were down to 10 men for a significant amount of time. I mean, teams are going to lose gold through absolutely no fault of their own when there's been a legitimate injury. And, and I just don't really see why that's necessary if, um, you know, if they're clamping down on time wasting in other ways. If they're adding all the time on at the end anyway, I don't really see why they need to sort of double punish that. Um, obviously, yeah, there is, that is a well-known time-wasting tactic. Uh, one which I think we may have been guilty of on one particular occasion uh, last season that shall remain unnamed. Yeah, obviously players also do get legitimately injured, and I don't really see why. In in the sort of case in which I saw that happen yesterday, it didn't really seem to be very fair to me, and or, or particularly necessary. So that that might be the one that I have a bit of a a gripe with. But um, no, I'm generally in favour of anything that will disadvantage Mr Ainsworth. Although... Are you possibly talking about a game away to a Northwestern club where a certain yeah, player maybe. might fake the head injury to prevent a counter-attack? Yeah, we, be, yes. we never talk about that, do we? <laughs> but yeah, no, any, anything anything that uh, hamstrings Mr Ainsworth, although he's doing a very good job of hamstringing himself at the moment by being a terrible football manager, um, is, is welcome, in my opinion. Uh, talking of extra time, should we call that half-time and go to a break? I, I agree. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Kicking off the second half, two goals in three minutes changed one point into three as Barley Mumba went on some mad Bilbo Baggins-style run. And Ryan Hardy hit the back of the net. Starting with uh, Barley Mumba then, Sam. One million great British pounds. Has he paid back that fee yet? 
Um, I, I'd say possibly not quite yet the one game if I'm keeping my feet on the ground, but I think it does show what we all already thought, which was that it was just ludicrous from Norwich's point of view to sell him for that. Because I think what really made me laugh was David Wagner saying basically the justification for it was Mumba doesn't fit into a four at the back. And there we are playing a four at the back and we found a role that's suited him absolutely perfectly. And I think if you're if if you're if you're David Wagner, you're you're probably very thankful Norwich got a last-minute winner yesterday because if they hadn't, I think there would have been quite a lot of moaning from the Norwich fans at how, how Mumba won us the game almost out of nowhere. So, um, yeah, just what an absolute steal that was. It was an incredible player. Um, if anything, this may even, may even have been the case that last season wasn't his best position because he was so good. He, he basically created the first goal very nearly um, created a second to make it 2-0 with Whitaker and have um, been able to finish that, that that angled shot, as I mentioned earlier. And, well, it, it, our actual second goal, that just speaks for itself, doesn't it? He, yes, the defending wasn't wasn't great at all from, from Thomas uh, and a couple of others, but the, the footwork was just incredible. The body movement, the um, picking the perfect moment to shoot. He, he, he let the keeper, um, you know come out a bit, but but not so much that it narrowed the angle. Super sublime finish and had a really good all-round performance and fully deserving of the man of the match accolade he was given. Um, de- delighted. Um, yeah, delighted for him and just still pinching myself. We've got a, such a great player for such a relatively low fee. We were like clutching our heads, me and Dan Ellard, in astonishment. Dan was speechless for about two minutes when he did that that goal. The man will just continue to one-up himself on amazing moments that I've seen in the flesh after the Exeter and then Ipswich um, last season. And this one, yeah, it's, unbelievable. it's an unbelievable goal, isn't it? And and the defending is absolutely terrible. It's correct to point that out. But I, I was saying to Dan at half-time, even before, even before he scored that goal, you sort of wonder why defenders keep falling for the same little feints and tricks that he does. But, but I think to give him the credit, it's just, it just seems incredibly, incredibly difficult to take the ball off him. Um, like, he's close control. You know, I saw it up close a couple of times yesterday because he came you know, down, down the down the sort of, I was saying, the corner of the ground. I saw quite a lot of him in the first half when he was coming down the wing. And yeah, his close control is just unbelievable. Like, the ball is just glued to his feet. Um, so yeah, um, hopefully that continues to not be found out. Yeah, it's absolutely mad. And I noticed as well, especially for the goal against Huddersfield, he's he's just looking at the ball. So he doesn't even know who's in front of him anyway. Like, I would, if I was a Huddersfield fan, I'd be absolutely fuming that somebody hasn't just taken a yellow there. Like, Sorba Thomas should just go through the back of him, let's be honest. And, and you say about his highlights reel, I'm surprised that we've not readied some media package of all of uh, his highlights and managed to sell him to Villarreal for like £12 million yet. That, that'll happen soon, I'm sure. Well, you can, go to, you can go to Man United in in Andy Kellett's illustrious footsteps. Nice little loan after uh, being sent back to Bolton. We pushed out the questions not just to Twitter. We have Facebook questions this week as well. Uh, we are growing. Um, Liam on Facebook asks, what are your thoughts on Mumba's new role? Obviously pushed slightly further forward. Uh, Sam, you, you pretty much said you enjoyed that, but any extra thoughts, Joe? Can I save my thoughts for when we come on to talking about individual players in a little bit? Is that right? I'll come back to you on that. If you like. Talk us through Hardy's goal. Is there still any doubts uh, about his ability to perform at this level? 
<laughs> um, I think I think Joe's comment earlier was maybe aimed a little bit at me, although I would say it was more Finn Allen, who is the um, the greater Hardy skeptic. No, look, I'm not. I'm not a, a, a you know a Hardy skeptic. I think he's a really good player. Um, I have a few doubts about how he will take to the championship. Those will not be assuaged by one game. Um, but yeah, obviously when he's when he's on form and confident. He is an incredibly good finisher. Um, he always works incredibly hard, and I think he did work really, really hard yesterday. And actually, you know, I, I sort of felt that more than the goal, he deserves praise for just running really, really tirelessly, including in sections of the game where he didn't get a lot of, of service into him. Um, so that when he eventually did get that ball in, he was, you know, he was right in behind. He, he was clearly a constant, constant menace on the on the shoulder of the well, Pearson in the first half and um and, and Helic as well. Um, you know, never really looked comfortable with him running in behind, even when they sort of did beat him to the ball. Um, so I felt like it was a really, really good all-round performance. And obviously he took his goal absolutely brilliantly. Um, clearly him and Whitaker have a great understanding because I've seen that exact pass, as I mentioned earlier, happen um, on a number of occasions before. So yeah, that that's all really positive. I, I mean, I think, I think, you know, one of the question marks with Hardy has been confidence and, and consistency. You know, last season he did go through periods where he would bang the goals in and be incredibly clinical and prolific. And then he went through periods where he did not do that. I don't think the chance yesterday was a particularly easy one, which sort of fits in with my assessment of him being a player who's better at scoring harder chances sometimes than the ones you would expect him to take. So yeah, I, I guess my, yeah, yes, they didn't, didn't overall hugely change my opinion of him, which is, which is an overwhelmingly positive opinion to be very clear, but um, not, not maybe an unbridled, uh, you know, or, or completely uncaveated positivity. But yeah, great, great to see him get his gold. And I thought it was, yeah, it was a really superbly taken finish. And I think, you know, I think that we will probably this week, but at some point we're definitely bringing a striker in. My my suspicion is that the reason it's taking so long is that we're eyeing some serious people rather than just going for the first one we can get. Um, obviously, you would think there would be competition, you know, on that on that basis. But, you know, I think obviously last season he changed, he changed the strikers around quite a lot based on, yeah, form and consistency and fitness, but also, you know, to kind of match what he felt the other team's strengths and weaknesses would be. I mean, I, I actually complained on this podcast about him doing that too much, in my opinion. So so I expect, you know, Hardy's probably going to have competition for his place, um, maybe in the form of a bigger unit when we go perhaps even to Watford next weekend. But but I do think there is, you know, I guess yesterday was reassurance that there is going to be a role for him always, um, you know, running in behind, running down the channels, stretching defenders, being an absolute nuisance and, and working his socks off. And yeah, all of those things were in evidence yesterday. Jumping ahead to a Twitter question then. Ryan asks, who would you want as our new striker? If we're going to get some serious names in, who would you like? Uh, if I'm allowed to do someone who there has been a little bit of chatter around, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to endorse th- this rumor because I, I have absolutely no idea whether there's anything to it. But um, for me, the 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 big one would be Kiefer Moore. I think would be an absolutely outstanding, outstanding signing. He is seemingly leaving Bournemouth on loan. He has been linked with clubs around the bottom end of uh, the Championship, um, including I've heard a little bit of talk, including us. Um, I don't know if there's anything to that or not, but um, have oh, you heard that? Why well, I can't I can't say. Eric. Can we can we quickly get Uncle Neil on the phone and see if he can make a phone call? Um, but yeah, he I I think that is a plausible signing for us. To be honest, um, apparently he's only. I mean, the, 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 the most of the talk publicly has been about him going back to Cardiff, and I know where I personally would prefer to go. Um, he's also from Torquay, I believe. Kiefer? Uh from Truro, I think. 
Well, I mean, I, I remember his incredible goals for for Cornwall in the World Cup last year. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it sounds a bit. It sounds like one that's a bit implausible, but I think I think we could absolutely get him again. Not to say that we will, but that would be. I just think he would be someone who would have that extra physicality and edge for those games where we want a bit of a battering round, but is also you know clearly a very very good technical goal scorer who could play in a different a different type of role as well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd love I'd love him. If you're listening, Kiefer. Um, get on that train. The very expensive Great Western. Other train. Other train operators are available. Well, actually, actually, they're not. That's how the actually they're, they're not. Yeah, not the uh, <laughs> work, unfortunately. I, I will personally pay his fare. Don't know if he still qualifies for a rail card. Maybe that will that would might play into it a little bit. But um, yeah. Wow, I'm I'm just blown away that that name's come up. But yeah, sure, I'll take it. Um, go back to Hardy quickly then. Fifty goals in green. Ryan Hardy as he hits his half century one game quicker than Ruben Reed. Sam, basically the same question that I asked John. Can you see him continuing to bang in the goals this season? You know what, I can. Um, because I, I was quite smug about it. I was chatting to my mate during the game and um, he was sort of saying, oh, Hardy's not really getting in the game, is he? The, the long balls up to him aren't, aren't really sticking. And and I think that was right. But I, 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 what I did say at the time uh, and then he, he did agree with me. Is Ryan Hardy absolutely has a has a big role to play in this season because there will be games, and, and it happened just after we got our second, where the opposition really pushed forward and they leave space in behind. And for games and moments like that, Ryan Hardy is absolutely essential because he's quick. He he knows where the goal is. He's got that goal scoring. He can exploit that pace. He can get him behind, and and he can, when he's in that confident finishing mood, he can score goals, which which he did do. Um, after we went 2-1 up and, and they were pushing and we, and we hit them on the counter and got that sucker punch of a third. So, yeah, uh, absolutely have the role to play. And I think in games when we are going to be on the back foot uh, a little a little bit more, games like, games like you know, maybe Saturday might be away at Watford if they're a very good team, if it's still a, if we're, if we're drawing or, or even winning late into the game, they're going to be throwing the kitchen sink at us and that could leave, leave space in behind for, for Hardy to exploit. So, if we did bring in a key for more or, or someone of that level, um, would I be starting Hardy every game? No, I would absolutely be be having him as a, as a very viable option to bring on in all in games because um, because because when because when we're losing, he, he can just have that little bit of you know something out of nothing and and just just um, get get a goal uh, through through his poaching instincts. And if we're if we're winning or drawing, teams are going to be attacking us. He can hit space from behind. So. He he's absolutely a um, he's absolutely a player who will have a big part to play this season. Joe, I know you're a big fan of Hardy. Obviously, hitting his half century. Where, where do you see Hardy in the pantheon of uh, former Argyle strikers or Argyle strikers in general? Because he's not a former Argyle striker yet. He's 2023, and Joe is talking on mute on Zoom. <laughs> where does Hardy? I think it's a little bit unfair to start ranking Hardy when he's still currently playing because obviously he's still got plenty that he can achieve. Um, one thing I do know is that he... Let's say let's say I would put him somewhere in between uh, Tommy Tynan and Emil Ampenza. Does that seem like a fair a fair assessment? Harsh on him. He managed to get two finishes in the in the championship nostalgia video put out by the club, which I was very yeah, surprised. Emil Ampenza has scored more, more, championship, more championship goals for Argyle than Ryan Hardy ever has. Back on track to Mr. Hardy. Yeah, I think that's getting taken out. Yeah, I think 
I think, you know, we 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 all know how good he is. People seem to want to try and find fault with him. Um, I don't know why when he's got as many goals as he has and he's, you know, consistently now finishing as our top goal scorer. Um, I said going into last into the summer that I thought this season would suit him better because I think he'll get more space to run in behind. Um, Huddersfield certainly allowed that on Saturday and there were one or two that almost got through to him. Um, but they just managed to get a touch on it. Yeah, look, he, fantastic player. I hope he goes on to score as many goals as he can while he's still with us. Um, and then once he has gone to pastures new or to the retirement home, then I will answer that question. But I'm not quite willing to rank him just yet while he's still got things to achieve. Let's wait and see how he gets on in a big man little com a big man little man combination with Kiefer Moore first. Um, let's let's move on to the new lads then. You, you've all picked your your new stars uh, to talk through. John, you're up first with Connor Hazard, a mixed debut. Yeah, uh, but I thought in the end a positive one, which I think puts me in a decided minority of Argyle fans, if not people in this podcast, because Joe is vigorously. Um, Nodding his head. I mean, look, obviously we can't sugarcoat um the issues with his with his kicking, you know, which was which were bad. He looked very unsteady playing the kind of short passes out from the back. Um obviously that was that one incident in the second half where he just sort of plopped the ball to the feet of their striker in the end. So um that is concerning because obviously that is a, a sort of hallmark of our style of play. Um, but if it's not, if he's not someone who's had to do that before, I'm not necessarily sure it's something he can't do. I, you know, I didn't feel, I don't feel like every time he tried to play, play those short passes out, he looked like a, a flustered mess. Like he looked like he could do it. So I think, I think maybe hopefully that's going to be a, a sort of a case of practice makes, makes perfect. Um, but yeah, clearly work to do there. But I thought his long kicking was, was fine. Obviously, it was incredibly windy. So I think that's a huge mitigating factor in some of the ones that swirled around a bit. There was a, there was a period where after, you know, after that error that he made, where he sort of raked a few kicks out towards the touchline that were all pretty accurate, I thought. Um, and most crucially, well, you know, two two more things, I guess, crucially, I thought his command of his box was generally very good. There was an incident in the first half where I thought he was a little bit lucky to get a free kick when he came out and flapped at the edge of his area. But in the second half, I thought, you know, he, he especially late on put his body in where it hurt up against some pretty physical, robust challenges in the air. Um, and his shot stopping was excellent. Uh, and, and that save uh, from, I can't remember the other field player, but the one where he's clipped it into the near post at award, I think, um, was Cooper-esque. And that's the highest compliment I can pay. It was a fantastic save. Um you know, got it was big, stood up at the near post, point blank range, and has you know managed to clip it over the bar. It's it's a terrific save. And there was another one as well he made where there was a swirling cross that was kind of wind assisted coming in from the the channel that was going in the top corner, and he and he got a, a finger on it to claw it behind. So I was saying this to Sam yesterday because Sam and I were sat at opposite ends of the ground. He was sat in the in the Devonport end, which is where I usually sit, but I was, I was sat in block eighteen for this. And I think Hazard actually maybe the, the reaction is a bit mixed depending on where you sat. I think those those of us who saw him in the second half right up close probably think he he did quite well. Whereas in the first half, I think he was, you know, a bit poor and also a bit further away from me. So, so maybe that's colouring my impression a bit. But I like what I saw. I felt like he looked like a, a championship goalkeeper, you know, just in the sort of way he, he carried himself. And obviously, goalkeepers in the championship can make mistakes. That's not a, you know, that's that's not a, a fail-safe against ever making a mistake. I think, I think the incredible thing about Michael Cooper is that he has pretty much never ever made a mistake for us of the of the you know nature of the one that Hazard made yesterday, right? Like he's just so assured with his feet. Um, 
but but I thought you know the, yeah I thought Hazard carried himself with with confidence um, and he's he's a very big bloke as well um, which which helps in terms of getting his body in the way of stuff I guess so I I liked him yeah obviously there's work to do I'm not I'm not trying to say it was an unbridled positive but I ended up in my match ratings giving giving him a seven out of ten which which I think was I think was fair whereas Sam gave him a five up to a six after seeing that save on the replay. Um, that was an absolutely extraordinary save. Um, really, really fantastic save. Sam, who un- underrated that save, um, is the same Sam who, from about the same distance away, declared that Mike Cooper pulled off a world-class save against Cheltenham on Boxing Day when he just patted away a shot that was trundling towards him in the centre of the goal. Uh, we're, we're, we, we can all be guilty of confirmation vibes, John. I adjusted Cooper's rating down by one after seeing the Cheltenham replay, just like I adjusted Hazard's rating up by one um, after seeing the replay yesterday. Well, I, for one, look forward to those uh, player ratings going live on Argyle.life. Sam, I'll leave you to sort that out. Coming on to you, Sam. Hello. Lewis Gibson in the played uh, alongside Dan Scar. Talk us through his debut. Yeah, I think he had a really good debut. Uh, I think he went about his business in a very quiet and understated way, um, in a way that was very effective as well. Uh, very rare. Um, can I remember a performance where we've had a centre-back so utterly dominant in the air? Um, certainly at championship level, you'll be going back to Christian Timar probably. He he won almost everything. Now, the reason I say almost everything, I think, and I, and I think this is genuinely unlucky because it was a bit of a bounce to the ball. Kind of ironically, the, um, the, the, only, the, only, the reason I say he won nearly everything, the only header that, that, that he missed that I can recall was the header that led to, to Huntsfield's goal. Like I said, I think it's a bit of a bit of luck because, like I said earlier, it was the bounce of the ball. It hit it hit the the woodwork, and and then luckily for them, it fell to to where um Halleck was um per- perfectly. But and obviously they scored. So that but it's it's kind of um kind of really shame. But I think that was pretty much from memory. I'm sure that you know if you go into Op- Opta or whatever, there may have been one more somewhere. But that was the only header of any substance. I recall that he didn't win all game. He apart from that, he was completely dominant in the air. Uh, very, very composed on the ball as well. Didn't didn't look flapped at all. Um, played it out very calmly. Um, yeah, just 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 seemed very energetic. Didn't didn't seem to tire. Um, really dominant, controlling performance and a and a very strong debut all round. Gibson, Gibson was my man of the match in my ratings for what it's worth. I thought he was outstanding. My man of the match, if it wasn't for Ballymumba. Uh, Joe, talk us through Ballymumba regen, Kane Kessler-Hayden. Now, I, th- I think this is, this is a really interesting one, because actually, um, I actually gave my man of the match. I don't do ratings um, unless I'm requested to by the fantastic RR Life publication, of which we're all great friends of. Um, and I don't do them on a weekly basis. Um, but I would have given Kessler Hayden my man of the match. I thought he was simply fantastic. Um, I thought the relationship that he and Barley Mumba have quickly formed in this system is something that we're going to really enjoy over the course of the season if we continue to uh, play with this style. Um, I thought he, I actually think he is. Very good going forward, but um, comparing to Mumba last year, but I think he's a better defender than Mumba um, in that sense. Um, so I think he's perfectly suited to that position. Um, equally as impressive, given I had it set in my mind that he's a right back, um, 
that he was obviously playing on the left side of our defence. Um, I thought he looked very assured, like he's been doing it for a while, like a, a seasoned professional. Um, and I loved in the second half, actually, he seemed to have a bit more freedom and was popping up a lot in midfield. Um, he was he was finding the ball quite a lot in the centre circle um, and, and then surging forward. Look, he's got as much energy to burn as Joe Edwards going up that side. And we've all eulogised over how much Edwards gets up and back. Um, he looks a very, very, very shrewd pickup. Um, and, you know, gone were the days where Argyle would have brought a player in who has been on loan with a club that's got relegated and a club that's almost got relegated in a season. We'd have immediately written them off and said that this is a dreadful loan signing. Well, we all have supreme faith in the transfer policy. And we've brought this kid in and I liked what I saw in pre-season and I very much liked what I saw yesterday. Um, I will also very quickly, while it's my little segment to talk, um, echo what John said about Connor Hazard. Um, I think Schumacher hit the nail on the head post-game that it would take a bit of time for him to adapt to playing with the ball at his feet the way that we do. He probably isn't used to that as much with Celtic and whatever side he played with in Finland. Um, and echoing what Sam said about Lewis Gibson and what John said about Lewis Gibson, he looks an unbelievable pickup on a free transfer. Um, he won almost everything in the air. He looked like he's again another one formed a brilliant partnership alongside Dan Scar. Um, very good with the ball at his feet. Um, so so far, um, it's all looking rosy in the garden. I'm quite surprised that Hazard doesn't know how to play out with his uh, feet because um, he came, he was in Finland last season on loan. And as Sam is quick to point out, uh, all managers with the experience managing in the Nordic countries uh, are incredibly, supremely progressive, aren't they, Sam? Um, apart from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that one. There we go. Um, just quickly, we're on the subject of new faces. Uh, we should perhaps mention... Um, that uh, we've just been tweeted by the uh, great football uh, ITK account, Fabrizio Romano. I know I, don't, I know I don't send you the running order, but your disrespect of it is uh, really bad. <laughs> ah. uh, I, I need to start sending it to you, but the problem is I write my questions out because I can't remember them. Yeah, and also you're assuming that I would read it. Yeah, there's that as well. <laughs> Staying on the game before we jump ahead um, to Kundal's imminent uh, arrival. Sam, I know that you agree with this. Uh, Jordan Houghton was quietly brilliant all game. Yes, he absolutely was. Um, uh, yeah, big big credit to him. Um, he, he really stepped up fantastically. I, um, um, maybe I've had a little bit of a moan about him at, at times in the past, but, but where I have, I would say it's only been because I think he he had more more to give, more to offer, and I think he absolutely showed that he had more to offer. Um, yeah, yesterday he stepped up and had a fantastic display. He he intercepted so many balls just where he he could read where the game was going. He drifted and picked up a ball, passed it to someone else, and the possession got started again. He drove forward with the ball, some some good diagonals, and not just you know the kind of easy ten yard diagonals through nowhere. Diagonals through a field of players as well. Um, razor sharp with with and without the ball and, and just really led uh led from the midfield. Um Ra Randall had a good game as well. I think Randall had a bit of a bit of a nervy start. He 
gave the ball away a, a little bit um, in, in, in the early stages. But obviously, even then, he, he was involved in the first goal, like I mentioned earlier. So, um, yeah, Randall grew into it as it went on. But Houghton from minute one to 90, I think, was, was superb. And, um, yeah, if, if we can see that Jordan Houghton uh, every game, I think he'll be a very, very capable championship footballer indeed. I was also impressed by how he fought yesterday. You know, he was in a it was a scrap. Um, and he seemed to handle it really well. She's maybe not always been the case in that type of game. I I don't think I, I can't remember if I said it on, on a podcast or just to Sam privately, but there is part of me that just wonders if he might step up and actually look better in a league where it is more technical and where players generally you know, where, where basically where you're where you're sort of getting kicked less. Um, although like I said, he did get kicked a bit yesterday. That, which is this is based really on that Chelsea game we played in the FA Cup where he was absolutely outstanding, um, and yeah, I don't know where, where it looked like you know he, he was sort of had earned the respect of other people on the pitch for for flicking the ball around and playing nice little technical passes. So yeah, I, I just wonder if he might if he might really come into his own this season, but um, we'll see. Early days, obviously. Yeah, for me, I think um, I don't know if it was true or whether it was just you know like him stepping up to the occasion but it just feels like his role had changed slightly because there was a couple of times where he was with the center backs clearing the ball out of the box as well he seemed like not i don't want to call him a box to box it's almost like a box to halfway line like but not being a cdm i don't can't really explain it but he just looked much better in a 433 than he than he did for most of last season but yeah uh, credit to them john Let's go chronologically with these. You attended the evening with Stephen Schumacher in the week. Anything to report back? It was, yeah, it was a fun event. I, I went because I had a friend uh, visiting um, who I used to live with in, in New York, actually, who is a big football fan. And, and he is visiting the UK at the moment. And I had hoped to be able to take him to the Huddersfield game, but he had to clear off before that. So um, in the end, saw that event, the, the event with uh, Schumacher was, was on and thought he would get a kick out of it. And obviously, you know, I've, I've told him that I think Schumacher is seriously going places as a manager and it might be a, you know, I, I shook hands with that bloke when moment. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really good event. I was really impressed with it actually. Um, the, the, you know, the Q and a portion of it was, was really nicely moderated. Um, they got questions in advance, which I thought might be um, mostly an attempt to screen out uncomfortable ones. And maybe that was the case, but, um, but actually I think it just kind of kept it, it kept it going nicely. It wasn't a case of people having a bit more of a comment than a question in the, in the audience, you know, it felt, it felt like a very slickly produced um, podcast sort of type discussion. Um, and I thought Shuey was, was quite candid with his, with his remarks. And there were some very interesting things that he said. Um, one that, one that stuck with me in particular was that he mentioned last season that the two times we came from behind to beat Derby, he said that um, that was actually, Obviously, we didn't intend to go behind in either of those games, but that was effectively intentional to start playing in the last half an hour because they had data that showed Derby's performance levels dropped off a cliff after an hour because their players were all 100 years old. Um, and apparently he said that, yeah, he was he was talking to Jusnip at halftime at Pride Park when we were 2-0 down and, and Jusnip was panicking. And Shuey said, don't worry, we will win this game. I've seen the data and their legs are screwed. And we did. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's, yeah, a number of insights like that. Um I wouldn't say there was anything that was, you know, hugely urgent to report back on here about the the future direction of the club or stuff that you wouldn't say publicly in another forum. But um, yeah, I thought it was a nice event, and and yeah, it was great to be able to shake his hand and, and get a picture with the with the big old pot that we won last season as well. 
it must be nice for you to be, finally be part of the slick uh, podcast type production for once, uh, other than this rabble. Yes, we'll never, we'll never sing that. Talk, talk, talking of rambly open, open questions that are more like comments. I think that leads on to the next bit, doesn't it, Aaron? That's my line. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Any, anything interesting of note from the fans forum? I haven't seen much of it, about it online, so just wondered if you could fill us in. I take my hat off to anyone who's going to comment here. It was a very quiet evening. Um, nothing really happened. There were no surprises. Right. To put some context to this, it's been a long time between drinks in terms of fans forums. So we haven't had one for a while. Obviously, you know, we had we had a new host, obviously, this time with with Charlie Price taking over from the late Sir Gordon, um, who used to do such a great job with with this event, um, as he did with everything that he covered with Argyle, obviously. Um, so there was a bit of there was a long time between drinks. There was quite a lot had happened in the the general history of the club since we we'd last spoken um to uncle simon um and our great cousins andrew and neil um in the great family argyle so then we we opened up and everyone seemed in really good form and there were no great surprises there and then i think andrew and simon were pretty surprised with the type of questioning that went their way it, it you know everything's been so positive for the last 12 months and actually it was all a little bit negative and picky what came their way we we had various questions and let's let's be clear about this so i had a discussion with somebody on twitter on friday morning about this we're not crabbing anyone for asking what they feel is a valid question to be asked at a fans forum that's the whole purpose of the platform that the club provide. It gives people to go along and it's it's an open shop. They can ask the decision makers of the club absolutely everything and it's well within their rights to do so. And nobody should be criticised for asking what they feel passionate about. However, I do think things got a little bit tedious um, in the afternoon, obviously, or in the evening. We've obviously got the gentleman who referenced the pound fifty administration charge on his ticket um and you know perhaps he didn't articulate it the way that he'd originally planned um but i think the general gist of the question is a valid one to ask you know what why are they not incorporating the one pound 50 in the actual ticket price instead of charging 11 pound why can't they just say 12 pound 50 inclusive of everything i don't think anyone would have a problem with that um but as i say maybe it was just how it's incredible incredible that joe has turned the running joke into a actually i agree with the bloke I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that I'm just trying to articulate his point. Um, there are obviously various other things, and I think I did sympathise with one or two people with their predicaments. I think the big one to take out of it is the gentleman who's been moved from his seat in Block 14, put in the Barn Park end, with very little communication from the football club, only then to find out that his ticket or the seat that he'd sat in for so long had then gone on sale to the public for this weekend's fixture. And I think that I had a, a lot of sympathy for that gentleman. Um, but equally on the flip side to that, if Sky need those seats for their camera positions, etc., and Sky are giving us, I mean, the, the general rumoured ballpark figure was between six to eight million this year in, in the TV deal. That I mean, that's a massive chunk of the football club's income um, that we simply cannot refuse or, you know, we, 
to coin it. We can't piss Sky off, really, can we? As the evening went on, I think Simon and Andrew j just sort of kept, became a little bit more frustrated with the line of questioning. And it, it's not always going to be easy questions that they can answer. Um, and, of course, we had the big revelation about Argyle Green, which is the whole the whole major talking point of it all. And um, I said I'd give a summary of what the the situation was. So it all stems basically from a falling out in, in around December over some strategic decisions and um, obviously where we were going to go moving forward. There was a bit of a um, people didn't see eye to eye. There was a falling out. Um, and it wasn't what was quite spectacular about what Uncle Simon said about this was it wasn't just a falling out between the board and Argyle Green. There was also a falling out within Argyle Green um, between a group of the members and the rest. And obviously that's led to the parting of the waves. Um, a, a chunk of Argyle Green are now gone. They've got nothing to do with Argyle. Um, their shares have now been bought by Simon. Um, meanwhile, Nick Giannotti and several other members of Argyle Green have stayed. Um, they're more than happy with the direction the football club's heading in, as we all are. Um, the number one takeaway from the event is that Neil Jusnip's birthday is this Sunday, not last week. Um, he is more than happy for people to send him bottles of wine to his office if anyone wants to chip in. Um, he was in very good form, actually, Neil Jusnip. Um, just goes to prove that I think he's a massive asset to the football club and just has a brilliant sense of humour. Um, and I don't think anyone can have any doubts as to the direction the football club's heading in. We've got the best decision makers we could possibly have. The vision's clear. The project is clear. Um, there are going to be bumps in the road regarding ticket allocations and point systems and all that nonsense that comes with it. Um, I think it was a constructive fans forum. I very much look forward to the next one and I hope we don't have to wait as long between the two. Um, but yeah, the the purpose is there for people to ask questions and to, well, to have a moan. Um, people certainly decided to do that last week and I don't think that's a negative thing. I think it's positive that people are finding issues with the club that need addressing um, and let's just hope Argo acts accordingly. Moving on then, John, if I've edited this podcast properly, uh, people won't have heard you mention this man's name. If if rumour and Morgan Whitaker's Instagram comments are to be believed, we're closing in on the signing of Luke Cundall on a season-long loan from Wolves. Where we are. Apparently so, apparently so. That is news it, to me. You seem pretty excited by uh, the prospect of, of Luke joining. Yes, I am. Uh, I think, by all accounts, looks like a really, really good pick up. He was someone who was vague. I mean, so so I don't, I don't, you know, watch a ton of full 90 minute um, EFL games, but I watch the highlights religiously and try and read around a little bit and listen to podcasts and stuff to follow what's going on. And by all accounts, um, Swansea uh, fans, uh, you know, sorry, but by all accounts, um, he did well at Swansea last season. Um, I seem to remember him popping up on the highlights um, quite often, obviously played in a very progressive uh, possession heavy side there under under Russell Martin. Believe this once he potentially were keen on getting him back at one point this summer, and seems like he's coming here instead. Although I'm obviously not sure if that's once he deal just fell through or, or whatever. Um, have had a, a change of uh, regime there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited. I think he looks like a a great pickup, and and you know we could also sign um, 
you know, a, a, a pair of googly eyes stuck on a piece of cardboard than I would trust uh, Shui and, and Juznip um, with it uh, nine, nine times out of out of ten. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, tr- kind of trust the process anyway. But but from what I'm aware of, Kundal seems like a, a really good bit of business. Although, um, yeah, it'd be nice to have a striker or two. And while we're talking about incomings, we in a week we announced a Finn coming. The return of Finazaz. How how delighted are you to see him back in green and gold? Very happy indeed. Um, it was a sign we all kind of knew that Argyle were looking to get done. There were all sorts of various conflicting rumours swirling about, some of which were most likely total rubbish as to why it wasn't being done. But thankfully, it is now done. Um, he's clearly an incredibly talented player. We saw in the game at MK Doms just how when when he gets his um. When he gets his head in the game and, and drops his shoulder, he can just completely run a game um, in a way that, as much as I, as much as I do love all of our attacking players, I, I think he can he can just completely take control of the game in terms of like passing and and, and through balls in in a way that um, I don't think anybody else quite can at least with such regularity when he's on it. Um, are there possibly some question marks about his consistency? Maybe when he came back after his injury, he did have a little bit of a a shakier run, but I think he regained pretty much his, if not quite his best form, very close to it again by the end of the season. And he got that goal at Port Vale, neatly, neatly bookending our season. Finnezad got our first and our last goals last season, so he was a big part of the season. And it's very good to to see him come back uh, to to Argyle. Um, yeah, just a just a fantastic signing, and it's one more squad role filled. Thunder looks like it's probably going to be another, so at least one more striker. Maybe two, perhaps a fullback who can play either side, and then I think the squad is complete. Yeah, it also looks like if if we're bringing Kundal in on loan, it also looks like that maybe one or two of these strikers might be permanent. So indeed, in in terms of outgoings, uh, Jack Endicott and Oscar Halls have joined Tiverton and Plymouth Parkway respectively um, on three month loan deals. Joe, no disrespect to these local sides, but. Are you a bit annoyed that we've not utilised the six National League South sides near us? You've got to get the six National League South sides to want Jack Endicott and Oscar Halls and players of in their career progression, haven't you? I sort of feel that... I'm going to sound really disrespectful now to the two clubs involved, but I sort of feel like both players could have done better than Tiverton Town and Plymouth Parkway. Um, particularly Endicott. Um, he's a kid that I think ha- does have a future um, in the professional game. I'm not saying Oscar Halls doesn't, but Oscar Halls actually had a pretty good preseason um, from what I saw of him. And Endicott obviously was one of the lads who broke through last year through preseason. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, you, you hope that they can go out to Tiverton and Parkway, have really good spells this side of Christmas. And then there's the option after Christmas to send them to a Taunton, a Weymouth, um, whoever else is it. I mean, it seems like half the West Country is in that division. So um, there's options there to send them to those clubs. So um, And of course, we're yet to send our token player to Truro. We mustn't forget. Um, there's always one ends up with Mr. Watton. Um, they're not claiming Ryan Law as that token player. I'm not allowing that. So um, there will be one end up there. But yeah, look, good luck to them. Hopefully they get plenty of game time. Um, I think they both played decent minutes yesterday, um, albeit the Parkway result was pretty damning. 
Um, but yeah, you know, good luck. Hopefully they get game time and come back stronger, fitter men because the the principle of it all is is that they go out and play in a man's league. Um, and Tiverton and Parkway will be certainly playing in the rough and tumble of a of a physical masculine league. So um yeah, let's see it. Let's see how they come back before we judge their where they've gone out on loan. And just a quick one. Um, yeah, not as Joe do not uh, such a great start, certainly for the team. But I don't know how often good it is an individual. Certainly not such a great start at Parkway, but good start for Jenkins Davies at Torquay. Got an assist in their draw with Dover. Just to give a shout out to. Yeah, shame they couldn't hold on to the bloody lead, but that's another thing. Seeing as we're nearing the end of this recording, or hopefully so. Should we dedicate some time talking to the, the our next few fixtures? Obviously, first up is Orient at home in the Carabao Cup in what feels like about the 12th time we've played them in the last five years. What are we making of this one? Are we putting out a strong side or are we just letting the kids loose? I hope it'll be warmer than it was Saturday, is my first point. I hope the wind is, has dropped since Saturday. Um, I hope the pitch gets a nice rest after... Tuesday night. Poor Chris has had a nightmare few weeks, isn't he, with the pitch, bless him, after Rod Stewart was sailing across it. Sorry, not sailing because he ran out of time. Um, but yeah, he'll be grateful that we get 10 days and hopefully a bit of warmer weather after Tuesday night. Um, I expect changes. I mean, you can think about them logically. Pleguazalo is going to play. Um, Azaz will get game time. Butcher will get game time. Wayne will replace Hardy, you would think, after Hardy ran himself into the ground yesterday. Um, I would suspect that Saxon Early might get some game time. Um, we've no other centre-halves, so presumably one of, if not both, Scar and Gibbs are going to be asked to, to go again. Um, what will be interesting is whether one of the two young lads who was on the bench gets a bit of game time as well, either Freddie or Caleb. That would be... The what I would like to see one of them get game time, but you know, let's not underestimate Leighton Orient. They were a pretty formidable side in League Two last season, and they they gave a good account of themselves looking at statistics and reports in their opening day defeat at the Valley yesterday. And there aren't going to be many sides if you if you take uh, Charlton's business literally, there aren't going to be too many sides that keep Charlton down to one goal at the Valley this season so um they're no mugs Richie Wellens loves a loves an af an evening at home park loves a visit to home park um so yeah if I'm honest do I see us wanting a future in the Carabao Cup probably not but a game is there to be won and I'd much rather win games than lose them so we will put out a side that's competitive and but there will be a um generous amount of rotation i would suspect yeah joe's already given his thoughts so are we interested in the cups this season or are we focus on the league trademark i i think first and foremost winning is a habit and, and it's a good habit to get into um yeah i'm not saying we're going to go out there and try and lose just to put it out back. no of course i i think i i basically agree with joe um I think yeah, winning is a habit, but it's also a de the second part of that sentence was going to be there's always there's always also a danger of burnout, and there's a danger that if you do play full strength teams all the time, everyone's knackered and injured by November December. So I would rotate quite heavily. I'd I'd probably I'd give Burton a going goal. I would um, maybe give Saxon early a start or at least half if he's um, if he's getting near the fitness and he was on the bench yesterday. 
I'd give Plegatuelo a game. I'd give Butcher and Warrington starts. I'd probably keep Randall in just because uh, if you're resting Edwards and um, Scar, then I think you want to have a, a viable and Houghton. I think you want to have a viable candidate for a captain. So, yeah, I think Randall's about the only one left who's worn the armband before, even in pre-season. I'd probably go Randall, Warrington, Butcher, midfield three. I'd go Kessler Hayden at right back, early at left back. And front three, I guess you've got to pick the three attackers who... Um, senior attackers who, who didn't start on Saturday, so I'd go Azaz, Tyreek Wright, and Ben Wayne, um, with Isaka and Roberts to hopefully get uh, substantial minutes off the bench. This is surely our best chance of uh, getting to Wembley this season, so I think we, uh, uh, yeah, I think we need to prioritise a return there. Callum Burton definitely has some Wembley demons to uh, exercise, so hopefully he uh, can lead us back up Wembley Way. As I imagine he'll be the cup keeper. Should we move on and preview the Dan Gosling derby? As it stands, we're currently playing Leicester in the playoffs, um, but I can imagine that might change between now and May. Watford are top of the league after dismantling QPR 4-0. They're first coming in the opening minute. Do we need to fear them at all, or is that more of an indication of how poor QPR are? Uh, I think both can be true. Um, you know, we should fear everyone in in this league to to a certain extent. I don't know if fear is the right word, but you know, we're going to be tested more often than than not. Um, I don't have Watford doing particularly well this season in my predictions, but I think they are clearly a, a team that. Well, a of course, I could be badly wrong, but but secondly, clearly a team even in that eventuality, if they do finish mid table, who are going to win a fair number of games this season and. Um, and have some formidable looking players who I've never heard of, uh, as is always the case with them, based on watching the highlights from yesterday. So yeah, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really tough. Um and I think it'll be a, a case of going there and probably having to be a bit more compact than we usually play under Shuey, but then you know, having a go on, on the counter. But there's no reason we can't we can't go there and, and pick up a result. I think it'll be harder games this season, probably. Um so yeah, I'm um I guess mostly I'm just kind of excited for for the ride this season. And it's great to be going to places like that in the league. Again, it's probably my overriding sort of takeaway from it at this point. But um, yeah, I certainly think it's going to be tough. Uh, but but I also think, you know, QPR are just clearly in a very, very dark place as a football club at the moment. Apparently lost, I think, 5-0 at Oxford in a preseason friendly recently. Um, I know you don't want to read too much into preseason, but it's a pretty dreadful result. And I would expect I would be very surprised if Gareth Ainsworth is there on the first day of next month. Yeah, I was gonna say I find it absolutely mad how we were the bookies' favorite for the drop when QPR just exist. Anyway, uh, should we does anybody want to add anything on the Watford points debacle? No? Yeah, I think it's well quite possibly gonna to go to Evergreen anyway, isn't it? So I think it was all a bit overblown. It's going to probably, it's going to at least go to season ticket holders, maybe even to Evergreen. So, yeah, I, you know, look forward to a packed out away and I will be there. Well, you say packed out. I think there's 850 still left to go. So, hopefully. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll go. They'll go within the week, I think. Yeah, hopefully. Anybody heading to Watford's uh, word of advice from Watford fan Mike from the Rookery End podcast that you can't buy any drink in the away end. So if you're going to have a beer, have a beer in town. There you go. It's uh, previews like that of games, which is why you're listening. I mean, to be to be fair, just to one up Mike, you can't buy anything at Argyle. <laughs> 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 
We're a health conscious club. We're, as Sam said in his intro, we're helping keep the calories down. Last last piece then before we go, a bit of a championship roundup, really, I suppose. Has any of the opening fixtures made you rethink any of your championship predictions? I watched Leeds earlier today. They were first half, they were really turgid. They just couldn't get the ball past the Cardiff back line. Terrible defensively went and two 0 down. So that maybe made me rethink Leeds a little bit. To their credit, they were very good second half. They were much more direct. They were getting men actually in behind the Cardiff defenders if they weren't at all in the first half. Um, and absolutely fine um, second half display from um, Crescendio uh, Somerville, assist to the goal. So maybe would starting to rethink Leeds a little bit, but second half they pulled it back. They still only got a draw, but they they looked at a force to be reckoned with second half. All of their attacking players um, notably improved second half compared to first. Um, one team that I did surprise with, again, I know they got a win with how poor they were, was Leicester against Coventry. They were kind of bailed out by two pieces of magic by Dewsbury Hall. Um, Coventry were actually the better team, I think, in the game. They had, they had a lot of chances that they that they missed and, and Dewsbury Hall got them out of it. So, you know, early signs, but maybe a few um, um, signs that those two teams might not be as dominant as many, including me, predicted them being in the predictions pod last week. Just quickly, would Sam like to revise his mid-table prediction for Ipswich to them winning the league where all the other pundits have them? No. My uh, only observation of this weekend's Championship football is, is, it, is a note of caution really towards um, what Southampton, Leicester and Leeds are going to achieve um, is purely off the back of whether or not their squads are as full of the talent they are now come the end of the month. In particular, Southampton, after their performance on Friday night, um, quite a few of their players were really stepping up their levels um, as if they were putting themselves into the shop window, perhaps. Or they're just really passionate about trying to win the championship this year, which could well be the nail on the head. I think the only thing for me, it just makes my... Um, random prediction of Ethan Ampadu to win Championship Player of the Year look even worse. Um, but yeah, I think we'll call that a night there. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Aaron. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you. With that brings a close to another Green and White pod brought to you by Argyle Life. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook, and keep up to date with all things Argyle by checking out www.argyle.life. As always, with all listens, old and new, we really appreciate if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you found us. Every rating helps us beat that algorithm. See you next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.